What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Startup Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined by the dapper Matt Turner. Matt Turner, it's the festive season, and good grief, is it chilly? Yeah, it actually was snowing here a little bit, my friend. Uh, just literally just stopped. So it was nice seeing it. I do enjoy uh, the Christmas season, the Christmas weather for uh, right around Thanksgiving until New Year. It's become January 2nd, brother. I am ready for the spring. So, but uh, I'm doing fantastic. I hope our listeners are doing fantastic. Mr. Rob Gouin, how are you today, good sir? I am very, very well. Um, uh, as I was saying, we are looking at uh, selling our house. Um, so I've just had a lovely, a lovely family coming to have a look around, which is why uh, this podcast might be a little bit uh, on the shorter side, um, simply because just trying to cram this in today was uh, was perhaps a poor choice. But thankfully, we've only got one show to talk about. Um, and in Britain, we seem to be uh, getting getting a little bit of a freeze on. Uh, we had really sort of tepid and just a very unpleasant summer and then this has been taken over by an absolutely bloody freezing winter and at the moment it is 20 degrees um which is minus three in uh in degrees celsius so uh bit chilly bit cold and uh what am i going to go and do later on stand in a field so uh yeah absolutely buzzing but i am even more excited to talk about stardom's latest pay-per-view effort because matt nagoya big winter is in the books and obviously we're going to talk about you know little bits of news here and there but the main focus 
is the Nagoya Big Winter and the direction that we now have for Dream Queendom. And I just wanted to get, before we delve into everything, I just wanted to get your thoughts on where stardom sits right now. I'm super excited, my friend. You know, you did say, you did mention that this pay-per-view is in the books. Not only is that in the books, but was also in the books, and by meaning my book that I wrote in is... uh, I have the rock and roll segment of the week all written down, my friend. So uh, <laughs> I know I know we do literally have to rock and roll as you have places to be in about an hour and change. But I have it all written down as uh, we did get a good pop from people that said they really enjoyed when we make these rock and roll references. So um, if you don't mind, sir, I will take the shot at it this week and uh, we will see if you can guess the name of the band. I'm super excited for it. But it's good, sir, to answer your question. Yeah, we have our three big title matches all ready to rock and roll for Dream Queendom, obviously, on top. We will not only see a new champion, guaranteed a new champion mm-hmm. at Dream Queendom, but it's it's going to be a first-time-ever champion as a Mike and, and uh, a Suzu Suzuki, excuse me, Mike and Suzu Suzuki, not only knew that these wrestlers held the red belt before, they never held the white belt before. So interesting direction, considering how loaded that main event roster is, is where, where it's going to be a big shakeup in a good way. I'm super excited for it. Uh, and speaking of the white belt, the wonder of stardom championship, it is a rematch about three weeks in the making. And I'm super <laughs> excited. Uh, Mariah and Soriano put on that absolute banger of a classic match uh, just a handful of weeks ago. And it was so nice. They're going to do it twice or thrice. If you're counting their match uh, from the five-star Grand Prix and a match I'm super excited for with Aphrodite, the new goddess of stardom tag team champions, taking on the team of Momo Watanabe and Ruwaka. And I was actually just thinking about this on my way, my drive into work today, uh, partner, is that just as of yesterday, we did our alternate commentary for our uh, lovely Patreon listeners um, of Sai Kamatani and Utami Hayashisa defending the Goddess of Stardom Championships versus Momo Watanabe and Izumi from three years ago. And now we're kind of getting that match somewhat again, because obviously Aphrodite of the tag champs going in. And in my opinion, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me that uh, Saya and Utami are better now than they were three years ago. And that's again, I did make mention that's one of my favorite tag matches in stardom history was that match uh, between the two Queen's Quest teams of Aphrodite and Momo, Momo Oz. And then on the, the other side, you do once again have Momo Watanabe. Now she's different because she's a heel and she's been doing some phenomenal work the last seven or eight months in that heel role. Heel role. And then you have Natsuko Tora, who they've done a great job building up uh, pretty much since before the cage match uh, in the summer and had an absolutely blistering five-star Grand Prix. So I'm looking forward to all three of these matches, but I might be looking forward to the tag match more uh, than the other two championship matches. So kudos to stardom as we had to have some really, really good direction going into going into the big show to close out this year. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about Dream Queendom after we have reviewed Nagoya Big Winter. But it certainly is an interesting direction. I love the fact that we are investing in youth. We are investing in, you know... It would have been very simple for stardom just to pivot and, you know, throw Utami into that red belt scene or to throw Julia into that red belt scene or to throw Suri into that red belt scene, established main eventers. But credit where credit is due after what can only be described as uh, a bumpy six months, let's call it bumpy, um, uh, it's good to see that we have a clear direction and it's good to see that Stardom are entrusting the top prize to a Micah or to a Suzu Suzuki. Either way, whichever way they end up going, um, I'm very confident 
that they will do a fantastic job with it. However, before we do any of that, before we talk any modern day stardom, Matt, let's talk about what is coming up on the Stardom Cast Extra this week. Good sir, please regale us with what we have coming up. Absolutely, sir. We are starting off as, believe it or not, we are in the month of December, crazy to say, and we are having ourselves a Queen Quest Christmas. And we started off with a bang, literally one of the greatest Wonder of Stardom Championship matches in history. Myself and one Rob Goodwin did the alternate commentary of Sai Kamatani defending the Wonder of Stardom, the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Starlight Kid. That is already up on the Patreon feed. And then next week, I did mention just about a minute or two ago, the alternate commentary of Aphrodite, uh, Sai Kamatani, and Yutami Ayashisa defending the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Champions against the team of Momo Watanabe and Azumi Momo Oz from November 2020 in uh, in the uh, legendary Cork and Hall. And also probably coming up in about a week or so, my review of Azumi's five-star Grand Prix 2021 run. That'll be up in your Patreon feeds in about a week or so. Now, Rob, real quickly, my friend, I just want to touch upon this uh, Zoomy. Uh, I heard that the homework's all done. I just have to record. I'll probably record that on uh, on Thursday. So, um, you know, the day before that this drops. So, again, that'll probably be in your Patreon feeds in about a week or so. I did the homework of this run. I know you're very familiar with this run because you wrote a book on the entire year <laughs> of 2021 called Living the Dream, Stardom's 5th and our 10th anniversary in review by my good friend Rob Goodwin. And, uh, I watched these matches maybe about a year, year and a half ago, and I just completely forgot how loaded that Blue Stars block was back in 2021. You have Azumi, Sai Kamatani, Tam, who's the white belt champion, Utami, who's the red belt champion, Kunami, Shiri, um, you know, and again, obviously Azumi. So it's like, as I'm going through these matches, I was like, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. Oh, I know this is going to be great. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. I was like, Wow, what a loaded blue block this that absolutely was. It was an absolute joy for me to go back and watch these matches, and I'm so excited to record the review of that. So, uh, yeah, my friend, uh, that uh, again, that 2021 five-star Grand Prix, that was something, was it not? Absolutely, and of course, you forgot Takumi Aroha was also oh. in that block. I mean, let's, let's be honest, that block was stellar, and it was a very, very, very exciting tournament. So you're going to be very, very busy, obviously, with Azumi's Grand Prix retrospective, Utami's uh, Victoria's 2020 retrospective. Uh, we've got so much coming up. Obviously, last week was uh, Sire and Starlight Kid on the alternate commentaries. This Sunday, uh, me and Matt sit down to watch Manami Tiota versus Mima Shimoda from uh, the All Japan Women's Japan Grand Prix 1995. Um, it is a time, I will be honest, um, it's absolutely breathtaking um, in the best possible way. It's got literally everything you could want. Um, as Matt has already mentioned, Aphrodite and Momo AZ will be in your feeds on the 11th of December, and we will be recording very, very shortly uh, the roundtable discussion with our good friend Scotty Wrestling, where we will be debating, Matt, that age-old question, whose reign was better, EO's V14 or Sire's V15? That will be dropping in your feeds on Sunday, the 17th of December. And don't forget, you can, of course, look at the entire festive schedule 
um, over on Twitter and on Instagram. It's pinned to the top of our feed if you want to know what bonus episodes you are getting this month over at www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast and thank you to everyone who has subscribed over there or has listened to us or interacted with us over there you guys are awesome now oh sorry matt real real quick buddy i just want to quickly uh just promote our youtube page obviously the youtube page is growing by leaps and bounds and uh what we're doing is we're going to be putting a little bit more content on it than just the shows and the interviews i'm going to be releasing some live videos pretty much just at my discretion and it's just going to be like my quick thoughts like i for example i released a, a video where it was just me reviewing the cork and hall show from last week because as we record the same day it recorded it went up a few hours earlier i did some non-spoiler uh, reviews on literally saturday morning just hours after the big winter pay-per-view and literally i'm going this is all one take this is all going to be one take so if i mess up i'm leaving it in if uh, my cat comes into the frame i'm leaving it in i'm everything is going to be as soon as i hit that record button I'm going to say what I need to say, and again, if, if I fumble my words or I mess up or something happens, I'm going to leave it in there. So just in case anybody lo- watched the last video, which I recorded, again, it was the Big Winter, spoiler-free review of the uh, the Big Winter and Nagoya show, which we'll be doing a full spoiler review uh, in a little bit. Um, I realized about two hours after I uploaded the video, and again, it, I went right to uh, YouTube Live, that for some reason when I recorded on my phone, I didn't rotate it all the way, and it came uh, upside down. So I was contemplating all for about 30 seconds. Should I take it down and redo it? And I was like, no, I'm going to leave it in there because I'm going to leave the mistakes in there. Now, Rob, as you know, we've been doing this show together for uh, two years now. I quote the late, great Roddy Roddy Piper a lot. So I went in his vein when Roddy Piper would do his podcast. If somebody would mess up or something would mess up, Roddy would be like, he would literally say to the producers, leave that in there. I want that in there. I want the mistakes in there. I want people to see that. Hey, we're all human. We all make mistakes and we're just going to leave it in there so much so that if you ever go, if anybody has the Peacock Network or WWE Network or whatever it's called, that they have um, a segment there called Table for Three, where they just have three random wrestlers eating dinner or lunch or breakfast, whatever. And they're just talking about whatever for about a half an hour segment. The very first Table for Three featured Roddy Piper, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and Mean Gene Okerlund, which all three of them are no longer with us. But there's a part where the waiter drops a dish and Mean Gene, like, oversells it, right? And Piper starts laughing. He's like, leave it in, leave it in, leave it in. So I'm going by that vein that anything that gets messed up, I'm completely leaving in there. So I hope you guys enjoy all these uh, videos that I'm going to be doing. And more than likely, you'll probably see uh, once or twice a week, like a match of the week. We, we know we have a lot of new listeners and a lot of new watchers of Stardom that are constantly asking us, like, what matches should I go to? So what I'll do is I will probably put up a quick four or five minute YouTube video of, like, me watching the match in the background saying this is, should be the match that we should watch this week and then you can always just comment below so it's gonna be very very interactive and you know very very raw like so no edits no nothing just you know me full speed i mean if it's good enough for me gene oakland it's good enough for you my man i feel like that should be the standard <laughs> um but yes um uh, let's talk a little bit more about bushy road um not for anything particularly stardom related, but I can't help noticing sort of people in New Japan or people who follow New Japan becoming extremely disgruntled 
with certain areas of the company. And it started with a podcast I listened to religiously, the Super J cast. Um, love Joel and Damon. They are fantastic. Um, and they were responding to uh, New Japan Global's Twitter page where they have said again, and we know that this isn't the first time that obviously New Japan have released this new app. Uh, due to technical issues, planned live English coverage of World Tag League finals will instead be available very soon after the event. Now, this isn't the first time or the second time or indeed the third time that planned English commentary has had to go by the wayside from what I've heard, aside from the app being, uh, you know, being more convenient, it has been what can only be described as an embarrassment. Um, the rollout has been littered with uh, with mistakes and things like that. So you couple that with the fact that there is a lot of talk about um, Kazuchika Okada leaving um, to join AEW or WWE. Um, obviously, I know that people are saying, oh, his contract's up at the end of January. That's how New Japan work. Every single contract, I believe, is a year long and runs from January to January. So it just, from what my understanding is, it's simply that Okada is giving it more thought than he ordinarily would. Um, you couple that with um, the fact that we've had all of these issues in stardom from, you know, the miscommunication or the lack of communication between Bushi Road and the wrestlers, and indeed Rossi as well. Um, you mix with the fact that Kyrie came back and has now left. You couple that with the fact that there's all these rumors about Julia leaving discontent on the roster. Um, it seems at the moment, Matt, that Bushi Road Fire have got rather a lot of uh, of issues with their image at the moment. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, a little bit, and I, a lot of it. We talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago. It's just communication. They just need to be communicating, you know, with their staff better. That just goes for any business, you know, any company. You just need to have open communications from, like, the bosses that are calling the shots to the employees who are out there, you know, uh, really putting in the time in at this point. And, you know, in this case, in scenario, I mean the wrestlers. You know, just have open communications. And, again, the wrestlers are the ones that are in front of the fans, and the fans are the ones that are driving your business. So the wrestlers know firsthand what's working, what's not working, and they just kind of just, I think, maybe need to sit down with everybody and kind of like not change everything, but again, keep the communication open, you know, be bamboo, bend, but don't break. Like, Hey, what's working? What's not working? What are you guys thinking here? You know, again, nobody, if you're wrestling for new Japan or let's just start them. I'm just starting podcasts. You know, if you're a person that is employed by stardom, everybody wants to see the company grow. Mayu wants to see the company grow. Rossi wants to see the company uh, grow. The presidents want to see the company grow. You know, the, uh, anybody working production, they want to see the company grow because if stardom grows, then everybody wins. But at the same time, you kind of all need to be on the same page. And it's okay to have disagreements on ideas and booking philosophies and certain things, but you kind of just need to take a step back and figure out what in long term is going to be best, you know, for the company, for the performer, you know, for the faction, you know, so on and so forth. So I just think that um, that's what they need to do. I think everybody just needs to cool off a little bit, uh, take a step back and, uh, make sure that new japan and stardom are headed in the right direction but uh, from what i understand rob i'm maybe i'm breaking news here okada is going to be from what i was told okada will be leaving new japan to join stardom so this way we can get that big we can get that big okada hazuki match because you know brother we love us push some hazuki my friend <laughs> that's not really happening anybody before before i get 
before this clip gets pulled out on Twitter, if like Matt says Okada to start him in February. <laughs> imagine, imagine if that was the case. Um, yeah, it's it's been it's been something that I feel like there needs to be uh, serious changes. And obviously, we've seen Bushi Road um, make those changes. Obviously, we have a new president as of the first of December. Um, I just think it's interesting that it's not just Stardom that have seen fallout from this it's also new japan which is you know a considerably bigger company than stardom is so uh, hopefully bushi road will be able to write these things as quickly as possible because you know just speaking of the app um you know it is far more convenient it's a great idea however um i've been in jobs before where things have been rolled out before they're ready and the fallout is more trouble than it's worth. And I've just, I get the impression every time I see something about, um, about the new Japan app, that that was the, uh, that that was the problem with it, that it was rolled out before everything was, uh, that was sorted with it. Um, but that aside, I just wanted to bring that up. Obviously new Japan, of course, have lost Will Ospreay as well. Um, as of the end of January. Um, more stardom-centric news. I don't know if you've seen this, Matt, and it's not really news. I just thought this was really cool. Um, so the We Are Stardom Twitter page posted something today um, with Utami, who, we're, along with her goddess of stardom belt and in full wrestling gear, uh, went back to her middle school and spoke to her, uh, spoke to the students there. I thought that was really good, especially when you consider that, you know, the one person I remember coming into our school was a man that made concrete. And, you know, I'm not I'm not disparaging the man that made concrete, but I don't feel like he compares with a former World of Stardom champion. So I thought that was really cool. And the fact that she stood there in this brand new gear um, with the belt on the desk as she's addressing all of these children, I thought that was really cool. Not only full gear. For full gear in December. You know what I mean? It's funny yeah. if it was the summertime. It's like, yeah, it's a little cooler being in this gear, but it's like full gear in December. God bless her. I mean, just that's just awesome. It really just goes to show just how good Utami is, uh, not only just for stardom, but her community. And she's able to give back uh, by going to the school that she uh, she graduated from. And you see a lot of people look up to her because Utami is a big star and she's going to continue to be a bigger and bigger star. That's awesome. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Um, the only question I have, and maybe this will never be answered, Rob, is did anybody get clotheslined or uh, hijack bomb? That's what I want to know. Like, who's the one kid that was misbehaving all year? Yeah, you? Come here. <laughs> Boom, hijack bomb. Well, you know for a fact if they were hijack bombed through a desk, it would not break because we know just <laughs> how hard Japanese wood is. Um, it's it's his own metal, that Japanese wood, I tell you. Um but yes, I thought that was uh, that was really cool. Utami going back to her roots. Wait, what's this? Io Shirai back to stardom confirmed. What? No, <laughs> of course not. Um, uh, the, <laughs> there is a photo going round of Konami and Io Shirai, which is really nice. Obviously, Konami is currently in Miami, I believe, or uh, America in the very least, um, because of Sukiban, and uh, she sought out Io Shirai, and there is a photo going round of those two together. So I thought that was really nice. Just a little, uh, just a little uh, photograph and a little tidbit there. Um, and there's a there's another photo going around too, my friend. Is there really? Did you see this one with a uh, Kyrie? Yeah, Kyrie oh. Unagi. 
I did see this. I did see this. I also saw when they had a car at some point, and Kyrie yeah. just looks like she has had enough of Unagi's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, she does. She looks like so serious. And Unagi, I mean, Kyrie, she seems like she's like the sweetest person that God ever created. And Unagi's like, I'm getting under her nerves. I know it. And I'm so happy about it. So. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Eo, Eo, there's no, there's, you know, obviously, Eo is my favorite of all time. So, but I tell you this, if I can sit in one of those rooms or one of those cars, I think the Kyrie and Unagi one might be a little more entertaining. You know, not saying that Konami and Eo isn't, but uh, but Konami's really making the rounds with these big stars lately. I know that they did a Suki Bond did a show. Um, was it Suki Bond or was it one of these other? Might have been uh, Spark or whatever. She did a show maybe about a month or so ago where she was at a Seven Eleven getting a Slurpee, and all of a sudden the camera turns and Mercedes Monet comes over. And she goes, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, there's way too much sugar in there." And someone asked me, "He's like, can you comment on this?" And I was like, "I don't know what you want me to say, but Mercedes is right. There's way too much sugar in a Slurpee. There is one hundred percent. Those things blow your head off." Um, uh, it was after the Pro Wrestling Kitsune show, um, the one That's that was, was. Um, promoted by Eric from the Joshi Pod. Um, uh, and he's also just finished running a show in Shinkiba. So, Eric, if you listen, you are doing a tremendous job, good sir, and I salute you. What a guy, what a job. Um, Keep up the good work too, brother. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Um, just a little bit of um, just a few announcements in regard to future things for Stardom. The first thing worth noting is that Stardom will be making an appearance at Tokyo Comic Con. Um, they did this last year as well. There's an exhibition match. It is a six-woman tag team match uh, with Utami Hayashida, Azumi, and Miyu Amasaki of Queen's Quest, taking on the team of Hanako, Suzu Suzuki, and Mei Seira. And that will, of course, be taking place at Tokyo Comic Con on the 8th of December. So Stardom making more appearances. And it's interesting to note that it is Mei Se- uh, sorry, Suzu Suzuki that is on that card and not Micah, though, of course, I am not speculating in the slightest um we also have our first match announcement for the christmas eve year end climax show which will of course be at corican hall as it always is um it's a prelude match for sumo hall after of course we found out that um aphrodite the new goddess of stardom champions will be uh will be challenged by the Oedetai XL team of Natsukatora and Momo Watanabe. We will be having a 10-woman elimination tag match uh, with the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Sayakamatani, Azumi, Lady C, um, uh, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki. 12-woman, sorry, not 10-woman. Uh, I just can't count. Um, taking on the Oedetai team of Tora, Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, um, Ruaka, Rina, and of course Fuki can death. It is of course a multi-woman, so you know the clown standing toward the end will be <laughs> Fuki can death. Um, uh, there is of course a show the day after, which is um, New Blood Twelve, which will be taking place on Christmas Day. But as of yet, there hasn't been a card announcement for that yet. I imagine that we will be having a press conference relatively soon. They tend to be more or less a week or so um before the shows so we'll probably have a full card for that hopefully if not next week definitely the week after um so yes 
that is where we stand with year end climax. Um, and just before I let Matt go on, uh, in fact, Matt, do you want to talk very briefly about uh, the Stardom in Bangkok video that Stardom posted on their YouTube page? I sure do, sir. Let me just get to my notes. Here it is. Yeah, um, the uh, Stardom in Bangkok show went up on YouTube, and I noticed it was uh, only about 18 minutes long, give or take. So it was just clips, um, and I'm just kind of just going to just run through the four matches that happened. They had a little mini tournament. Um, in the, the first round, it was Shuri uh, defeating Waka with the grounded Suzaku. Again, there's not much context to it because it's all four of these matches are just clips. But I did want to make mention, and I mentioned this to Rob yesterday when we talked, this Bangkok crowd was absolutely molten hot, like very much like Cork and Hall. And considering the fact that for a majority of these, maybe probably the last two pay-per-views, the crowds were kind of just like lukewarm and the matches were great. You know, the matches were great, but they really weren't making a ton of noise. Like literally Waka is the first person coming out and the crowd is chanting Waka mania. Everybody's standing, mm-hmm. nobody's sitting, everybody's over. And I thought, boy, this was kind of just to test the waters over somewhere overseas I would love them to see do a pay-per-view over in Bangkok. Now, it looked like, if you watch the video, it looked like it was in the middle of, like, a mall uh, because I think it was only three sections you were able to sit in. There was one section where it was just the wall. So it looked like it was, I don't know how many people were there, but it looked absolutely jam-packed. And that was literally my first stop. Before even Waka and Shiri locked up, I was like, wow, they're chanting Waka Mania. And you can see Waka, so lovable, just, like, breaks breaks character. Not like she's, like, this evil heel, but she starts, like, laughing, and she's so happy to be wrestling overseas. And she didn't even do anything yet. And she's already insanely over with this crowd. And I would just love for starting to do maybe a big show or a pay-per-view over in Bangkok, because I can just imagine like how many people they would draw, how much money it would make and where it would totally just expand the business for them. And again, how loud the crowd would be. Uh, I think that would be great. Uh, match number two saw uh, Mina Shirakawa defeating Yuna Mizumori with the implant DDT. To the shock of absolutely no one, Mina comes in and she's Mina, right? I mean, so charismatic, just the way she connects with the crowd. And I think Mina was the most over person on these these four uh, four matches. I mean, Mina was just insanely over. The crowd absolutely loved her. And, of course, her and Yuna just absolutely crushed each other. I mean, it was hard-hitting. It was lariats. It was forearms. Ultimately, though, Mina gets the win over the implant DDT. So the main event of this show for their mini tournament is Shuri versus Mina Shirakawa. Match number three was uh, two wrestlers that I'd never seen wrestle before that I believe are from the Bangkok area where it was Jenny versus Machka um, with uh, Machka going over via the Boston Crab. Now, if you remember about five or six weeks ago, Rob, that um, Mina did make mention that she was recruiting somewhere overseas for new members of, of, um, of Club Venus. I almost said Cosmic Angels of Club Venus. I would not be shocked if Machka is uh, is going to be a new member of Club Venus, maybe come the beginning of next year. We shall see. But the main event did have Shuri and Mina Shirakawa in the finals. Again, just clips, but really, really good stuff. Back and forth, both these ladies were really, really over, with Mina just being a little bit more over. But Shuri ultimately hits a huge head kick on Mina Shirakawa and then locks in the uh, White Tiger stretch muffler submission and gets the win and wins the tournament. And then uh, we do see everybody pretty much as they're leaving. They all take a bow, and everybody is just taking pictures. Everybody on their feet. The crowd was just absolutely molten hot. And I tell you what, Rob, when it comes to wrestling, and I've been watching wrestling a long time, when you talk about the best countries for wrestling, and maybe this is just me. Obviously, you have America. I'm from America. You have WWE, WWF, NWA, AEW, WCW, ECW, yada, yada, yada. So you have America. 
obviously my heart is in Japan. I love the Japanese wrestling. You have, you know, your country over there, England is a big country. We have Canada and Mexico as well. I always, when people talk about the biggest countries for wrestling, those are always my go-to, right? Never thought I'd ever say like the Bangkok area would just, maybe, is that like a new hotbed for wrestling? I don't know. And obviously this is a market that sh- that um, um, stardom is trying to tap into. And hopefully this is something that they do go back to because I really think they could expand the stardom business if they were to run more shows and big shows over there, maybe with some title matches or, or whatnot. So uh, very interesting to see. But yeah, again, uh, if you have not checked it out yet, go on YouTube, just type in stardom wrestling. It's one of the first videos that shows up. It says stardom in Bangkok because the crowd is absolutely molten hot for these matches. Yeah, I've seen lots of good reactions to the crowd there, and I think that's particularly important when uh, when we get to talking about the uh, the show today, or the show from the second, should I say. Um, I think if it's, it's interesting, I know that Stardom have sort of talked about wanting to branch out and do other places in Asia and sort of lift the profile of professional wrestling around Asia. Um but obviously with the new direction of Bushi Road, uh, sorry, Bushi Road Fight, should I say, I do wonder um, how much they will invest in that um, over the next couple of years. It would be a shame if that changes because obviously, like you've just said, the Bangkok crowd were absolutely loving it. And if Wakasuki Armour is getting over, then I am more than happy. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, Club Venus. Um, Club Venus, of all the stables that have been hit with injuries and all sorts. Club Venus has got to be the worst. I mean, it's Mina Shirakawa at the moment on her own because you got Wacker out with injury. Mariah May is chasing Tony Storm in AEW. Zaya Brookside is no longer there. Um, there's literally no one in that faction apart from Mina Shirakawa. So she needs someone because uh, I've got a feeling that 2024 is going to be big for Mina. It needs to be big for Mina. Um, she needs to be highlighted, you know, like she was almost highlighted throughout this year before it was uh, it was ended prematurely by Tam. So I feel like she needs people around her. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see new additions to Club Venus, even if it's not Machka. Um, just the final bit of news: we are officially announcing. And Matt doesn't know this yet, but he's probably guessed. Um, the fourth annual Stardom Cast Awards. Um, we do it every year, um, and basically it is just our little way of gaining uh, a little bit of fan interaction and you getting your vote in for the most prestigious awards that happen on this podcast. Uh, voting will open on the 30th of December, the day after uh, the Ryogoku Kaku Gikan show, um, simply because we know there's going to be match of the year candidates that happen at that show. I sincerely doubt that that main event is going to be poor i fully expect that uh, to blow the doors off so we wanted to give as much time as we possibly could for all of these shows there are seven categories overall wrestler of the year match of the year tag match of the year show of the year most improved of the year moment of the year and faction of the year so all of those categories you will be able to find all of the links and things on our social media when it goes live on the 30th of december um again every single one you will only be able to vote for one um cat one thing per category um i'm really intrigued to see 
what the uh, what the votes are going to go for in terms of things like moment of the year because obviously you know ordinarily we get things like you know suzu suzuki wins the five star grand prix but there have been some really interesting moments maybe not blow away moments but tam dethroning um julia for the red belt mercedes monet turning up in stardom there have still been some really really cool moments for the company in spite of you know the negativity that seems to be weighing it down at the moment especially on social media there have been some really really cool moments so you know i'm really excited to see what we get out of that um matt i will of course actually ask you for your votes uh when we do our um when we do our review of dream queendom at the moment i am not 100 percent sure when we are going to close the vote we do usually give people about a week to vote which will make it the 5th of december which means that the 10th will be when we do our our award ceremony so to speak, which is fitting because it's just after, it's the week, I believe, after Stardom do their awards show. Um, Something that I did notice, um, and I was going to do this in the Nagoya Big Winter review, but I thought it was important. Um, If you haven't subscribed to our Patreon, um, obviously you won't have heard this, but I wanted to bring it onto the free podcast because it was really interesting. Um, We were talking, I think it was last week, Matt, about the Triangle Derby, um, which, for those that don't know, is one of Stardom's four annual tournaments. It's the newest one, only started this year, um, and it's for it's basically their six-woman tournament. It's a round-robin, two blocks, the same sort of format as your tag league. But we had, throughout the Nagoya Big Winter Show, we had shows that ran all the way through to February, and there was no mention of the triangle derby now we speculated on one of the podcasts on patreon about how that could possibly be because of the raft of injuries that we've had and they literally can't field a tour like uh, enough teams for a tournament um whether that is because um the new edict is to start to try and cut down the schedule maybe the triangle derby um has been a casualty of that um one thing I did think was really interesting, and the reason I wanted to bring it onto the free podcast is Matt's idea for how he would book the Triangle Derby. Because what you did, Matt, I thought was really interesting in that not only did you shorten the schedule, you also bought some bought something important to Corican Hall, which we saw from the last Corican Hall show. You know, you put something important and people will come. So I'd like you to tell people what your idea would be for the Triangle Derby. My idea, and I, I may have, uh, you know, kind of maybe modified it a little bit from when we talked about a week or so ago, Rob. So if I get off kilter, just, you know, stir me back onto the road. But my idea was you have eight teams and you run it like a single elimination tournament like you do the Cinderella tournament. Obviously, you don't do the over-the-top rope. It's pinfall submission or it's a wet tie. So you got to throw the DQ and the countouts <laughs> just, because countouts rule, man. And you run this on a Friday, Saturday, or a Saturday, Sunday, two-night tournament. So what you do is you have your first-round matches, 
you know, so you'll have the four matches uh, and then you'll do your semifinals and finals on the next night. As far as how, how I would run tickets, it'd basically be, here's your single price ticket. Here's your two price ticket. If you buy both of them, you get, you know, $10 off, $15 off. That's what I would do. Would I do this on pay-per-view? No, I wouldn't. Here's the reasons why. Stardom has so many great ways for them to make revenue other than on pay-per-view. I would put night one on YouTube, and I would do it as a YouTube live stream, like how they do for their New Blood shows. right? So then you have, by the time you get to the next night, you have your semifinals and final set. And then what I would do is if you want to watch that final night, because we're, again, Stardom is well over a million subscribers on their YouTube channel. So I'm assuming you're going to get a ton of views on this within the first 24 hours. So if you watch this and if you're a casual watcher of Stardom, if you're like, hey, I've heard, you know, people talk about this Stardom promotion. I heard it's great. I'm going to tune into this. It's free on YouTube. And you're getting not only four matches, but you're getting uh three people or six people in each match so you're gonna get you're gonna see say sherry mariah and ami sorry versus a torah kid and momo i'm just using that as an example you're like wow these are absolutely great so now how, how, how do i watch this okay i know what the semifinals are and that's leading into the finals we're having it on the same night how do i watch it is it going to be on pay-per-view no what you're going to do is instead of spending the 30 some odd dollars on pay-per-view which is fine because the start of pay-per-views are always well worth the money you're going to put the night two up on stardom world and i know it might be a little bit of delay so maybe is that there's a 10 to 12 18 hour delay or whatever and i know the fantastic people over at stardom world they are working their butts off and they are doing a fantastic job and i think i speak for myself rob and all the stardom community when i say thank you you guys are doing a fantastic job over there on stardom world so i then say here's what's going to happen again night one free on youtube you want to see who wins the, the semifinals and the finals Plus, you know, some other last minute matches because you don't know going into that final night who's going to be in the finals. You're going to have to go to Stardom World, subscribe for the month. It's less than seven dollars. And then you hook them in that way. And then you figure, well, if I already have this app for another another 28, 29 days, let me see what else is on it. And then you're going to hook more people because how are you not going to watch a, you know, Mariah versus Momo match and absolutely love it? Or how are you not with Io Shirai drawing well over 2 million views each segment she does on SmackDown? How are you going to not go back and watch an Io versus Momo or an Io versus Mayu match and say, I am hooked to the stardom and it's less than $7 a month. I'm going to keep it here. So that's exactly what I would do. I'd run it as a two night tournament, no pay-per-views, night one free on YouTube, night two on Stardom World. And uh, run them both at Corican Hall and a single elimination tournament. Yeah, I love the idea. And uh, there's several reasons why I like the idea. Firstly, you're not losing that tournament if you want to keep four tournaments. It does not need to be a round robin, though, especially if you're trying to cut down the schedule significantly. That's one way of doing it. You've gone from, I think it was 12 nights or something, um, the Triangle Derby, you've cut it down to two. Um, the second reason I like it is because you are giving Corrigan Hall something. And in the wake of pay-per-views moving to bigger buildings, which obviously I don't begrudge stardom in the slightest, you are still giving something to Corrigan Hall. You are still making it more than just another venue, which is what I'm, I was worried about when the attendances started to slip because it just it began to feel like another house show venue. It began to feel like another, you know, um, just picking a venue out of Shinkiba first ring, or it it started to feel like, um, you know, just a random venue rather than Corrigan Hall, you know, where stardom, you know, big bits of stardom history has happened. 
So give those shows something. Don't make them just your your house show shows. Give them something important, and that's what it does there. I do like the idea of the YouTube streaming. They've shown they can do that with the New Blood shows. Um, and yeah, if it's going to hook more revenue in, then why the hell not? And then, of course, you can have the winners go for the Artist of Stardom Championships, which, of course, is another another Corican Hall main event. And I've always said that in 2021, um, the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina, and Unagi did a great job of elevating those belts. And I don't, I don't mean elevating as in like they were just complete trash. No, of course they weren't. But the main event of Corican, I think it was the main event of something like four consecutive Corican Hall shows or something. Um, and every match was really, really, really good. And it just gave Corrigan Hall something. And I feel like that's what it needs to just remain special. And more importantly, to keep attendances high in that very special venue. Um, let's move on then to our actual show review. Stardom ran their pay-per-view Nagoya Big Winter 2023 on the 2nd of December in the Aichi Prefectorial Gymnasium in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. Um, getting a little bit of negativity out of the way just to start off with. Speaking of the attendance, it's the lowest attendance of any company at the venue all year. There have been six shows this year, New Japan, Dragon Gate, and Stardom. Um, Dragon Gate ran their Dead or Alive show, which is obviously a big show in the Dragon Gate calendar. I think I drew 2,000 and something. I know New Japan have, driv- have drawn... 2000 i think into 3000 at the venue as well um uh, speaking of just stardom shows this is the second show that they've ran um in nagoya um the last one was nagoya golden fight in october and it's down 27.6 percent from that show i think they drew 13,000 13,000 1300 sorry <laughs> to that show um so on the face of it It's not a great number. I don't think anyone is pretending that it isn't a disappointing number. Um, There are many reasons as to why this could have happened. Um, You know, again, we aren't that far removed from the last pay-per-view in Nagoya. Um, There was no Tam. There's no Mayu. There's no Natsupoi. um, There's no red belt match. There's no white belt match. And the card was only announced a week or so in advance. I think the press conference was two weeks before the show. So, uh, you know, and obviously we are, we talked about it in the news segment, all this fallout from Bushy Road fight. There was obviously a lot of disgruntled people. So I'm wondering if all of those sort of came together to sort of hamstring this show before it was even really able to flourish. Because ultimately this show was very good. Like those last three matches, the New Japan Strong Women's Championship match, the Goddess of Stardom title match, and the World of Stardom Rights Challenge match were all fantastic matches, all really, really good matches. Um, and I do think that Suzu versus um, Hazuki is a pay-per-view-worthy main event, but the numbers don't necessarily... Belay that. What do you think, Matt? What do you think are the reasons behind the poor number? Do you think it's a combination of all of the reasons? Do you think it's something completely different? What do you think? You mentioned the number, Rob. What is the number? Did I not say? No, sir. 952 people. 
Okay. Um, yeah, obviously they, you know, with these shows, they want to do over a thousand. I, a lot of it you mentioned, my friend, obviously no red belt, no white belt, no Tam and no Mayu. And, uh, it's, I think we're really starting to see just how huge of a draw Tam is. I mean, when Tam was cha- again, I, and obviously we talked about this and I, I don't want to go, you know, beat this drum forever. When Tam beat Julie, we were all kind of like scratching our heads. Even me, who's the biggest Tam fan in the world. We're like, wow, we they ended Julia's reign that quick and from what the reports we were getting a lot of things we were hearing is like no they view star uh bushy road views tim as a huge huge star and a huge ticket seller i mean you look at all those cork and hall shows during the five-star grand prix now granted obviously she was not defending the world of stardom championship but they were all sellouts i mean that match that she had with mayu that went to the time limit draw that was main main evented with uh, utami versus azumi i think it had like 1500 people in cork and hall which was like the largest draw cork and hall has in a long long time so it just goes to show just really what a huge and a lot of it i think has to do with there's no tam uh it really just goes to show just what a big star that tam is and i kind of just want to just talk about this my friend because um i you know because it's it's literally this news dropped hours after we recorded last week which seems to be what always happens is tam tweeted out for the first time in a long time kind of a cryptic tweet but basically saying hey you know i'm here i'm not sure what i'm going to want to do and i know it was reported earlier by you know the wrestling observer and a couple other sections but tam was thinking about retiring and uh the tweet came out and i got tagged in it very quickly i uh translated it i copy and paste it by translated i hit google translate i copy and paste it sent it to you and me and you were kind of just going back and forth of you know what we think this tweet means and what's going on with tam's future my thing was here's the deal stardom needs tam they do tam i don't think is and and they as low as that roster is, Tam's a big star. I think they need her to help boost ticket sales and and whatnot. And again, I don't think anybody can argue that Tam's a huge star. My thing is, and I said this to you, and we were kind of going back and forth, and like that's why I kind of just want to put this on air. I think Tam needs stardom as well. Tam is somebody that likes the spotlight. She really, really does. Whether it's the wrestling, whether it's the stuff with Meltier, and I think she just got burnt out. She was chasing that wonder of stardom championship for years, years. And then in 2021, she finally got it. And then after she dropped it, then she started chasing the red belt. And in between the red belt, the whole stuff with Natsupoy, the gods of stardom championships, the Meltier stuff, like putting out the album, doing the touring for the album, doing the pressing conference for the album, doing the press conference for stardom. I think she just got burnt out. And I think the fact that she has not been on TV or wasn't at the press conference when they surrendered the World of Stardom Championship, I think Tam is going to miss that. Again, it's that old saying, how can I miss you if you don't go away? Uh, I know I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here, but I just kind of just want to bring this out in the podcast. I think Tam eventually is going to realize that she wants to be kind of back in the limelight and the spotlight. And she doesn't have to do that from a main event uh, status. She really doesn't. So I don't think Tam is going to retire because of that reason. Uh, as long as she's healthy enough to continue, I think we'll see Tam back in stardom in early 2024. So um, kind of my long way of answering that question, my friend, I think it's a combination of a lot of those things, but no Tam and no Mayu is my, uh, the re- is my opinion why this didn't do 12 or 1300. Yeah, and I'm wondering if um, we'll hold off announcing the Dream Queendom card until we've got a definitive answer, especially around Mayu. Um, you know, no disrespect at all to Tam or to Natsupoi, but Mayu is, you know, the linchpin of the company. And I feel like they will want to wait as long as they possibly can to make sure that she is going to be fit for that uh, for that card. And hopefully, because 
you know, she's awesome. Uh, she deserves the opportunity as well. So what I'll do is I'll run through these matches and then we'll talk in detail about them. So we opened the pre-show with a tag team match. Hanako Miyu Amasaki defeating the team of Mina Shirakawa and Yuzuki with Miyu pinning Yuzuki with the Tenzai in 8 minutes and 24 seconds. Um, we opened the pay-per-view proper with a singles match. May Sakurai defeating Ruaka in 5 minutes and 27 seconds with the My Pan roll. Um, tag team action next as the Cosmic Angels team of Sioriano and Yuna Mizumori defeated the Stars team of Hanan and Saya Ida in 7 minutes and 6 seconds. Sioriano pinning Hanan, not Saya Ida. Get in! Uh, with the Tantan doll, which is her name for the Perfect Plex. We then had our first championship match, the high-speed title on the line. Maysera retaining the belt, defeating Tekla um, in 8 minutes and 5 seconds with the La Magistral Cradle. We then had six-woman tag match action, the Awedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsukatora, and Starlight Kid, defeating the Godzai team of Suri, Mirai, and Amisori. Tora pinning Amisori in 9 minutes and 9 seconds with the Swanton Bomb. We then had our UWF rules match with Nanai Takahashi inevitably defeating the Scandinavian Hurricane Alice Inc. via TKO with the spinning back elbow in 7 minutes and 21 seconds. And then we get our run of three title matches. The New Japan Strong Women's title match. Julia, the champion, defended successfully against Azumi, pinning her with the Northern Lights bomb in 12 minutes and 56 seconds. The vacant Goddesses of Stardom Championships were on the line as Aphrodite, Sai Kamatani and Utami Hayashishta defeated the Divine Kingdom team of Micah and Megan Bain in 30 minutes and 8 seconds. Utami getting the pin over Megan Bain with a bridging German suplex. And then in your main event, the World of Stardom title right to challenge match. Suzu Suzuki defeated Hazuki with the bridging German suplex in 14 minutes and 16 seconds. So, a couple of things to note. I know that we started on a, a sort of a negative note with the uh, with the attendance and the numbers. Um, I do just want to point out that this show was really, really fun to watch. It also breezed by because none of these matches surpassed 15 minutes. Like, not one of them. The longest match is your main event at 14 minutes and 16 seconds, which is quite unbelievable, really, because the show was able to cram in one... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine matches into two and a half hours, um, which was the runtime, including a spiel at the start and including um, the typical announcer breakdown at the end as well. So really, really, really quick stuff from stardom. Um, Matt, let's start at the very beginning, because in the words of Mary Poppins, it's a very good place to start. It's not Mary Poppins, it's Sound of Music, ignore me. May Sakurai and Ruwaka. Um we talked a little bit about um New Blood and how we want how how we thought it best to bring up the hype of the crowd with a hot match. Now May Sakurai is one of the hotter talents on the stardom sort of mid-card, I would argue. Um however Putting her against Ruwaka, I'm not entirely sure this was a pay-per-view worthy singles bout, was it, Matt? No, I would have put the second match 
on, uh, I believe I text you saying that obviously these last three matches are really good, but you want to think about pay-per-view hidden gems. Obviously we'll, you know, we'll talk about it in a moment here with the cosmic angels versus wing gory. But not only that, you only had five minutes to tell your story. It was kind of like they went in there, they did what they needed to do. Uh, May Sakurai did her shtick. She was over with her shtick. And then she, uh, she pins Ruaka with a roll-up. Like, if you're going to, like, no disrespect to Ruaka, but, like, you don't need to protect Ruaka in the opener with a roll-up. Just have May Sakurai go over with the elbow drop or the gourd buster or something. But instead, it was like she did a roll-up in five and a half minutes. So I was like, all right, you know, it was what it was. They, you know, they worked hard. You know, don't don't get me wrong. Everybody on this roster does. It's why it's the best roster in all of wrestling. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was kind of okay. Maybe they just want to get May Sakurai out there, you know, in in less than six minutes, so she can do her shtick in front of the crowd and do the promo because everybody likes seeing May Sakurai. So that's kind of just my opinion on it, sir. And I just gave it the uh, gentleman's three stars. Yeah, I gave it straight down the middle, two and a half. Um... You know, it was fine. Neither women did anything wrong. It was just, it it felt a bit flat. And, you know, in truth, until the very, until those last, what, two matches, maybe three, the crowd were dead silent. Um, I thought it, you could hear a pin drop during that UWF rules match. They weren't the loudest crowd by any stretch of the imagination, but I do understand putting May Sakurai on first because she is over. Her stick is very funny. Um, and I know that obviously it's a lot of crowd interaction. If you're going to put May Sakurai on, I feel like she needed a, either a different opponent than Ruaka, no disrespect to Ruaka, you know, maybe um, Amiyu Amasaki, for example. Um, I think that could have been a better match or a more hot opener. Or like you said, Matt, maybe put on the Cosmic Angels and Stars match first. So the first thing you hear is Hannon's dreadful theme. Um, which will immediately just ruin everyone's day. Um, I love it. it. But, you know. So bitter. I am. I am so bitter. Um, But I just, it's it's more of a hot opener. And then you can go into Mei Sakurai versus Ruaka um, to give everyone that chance to see Mei Sakurai's shtick. Ultimately, as I've, as I've said, I don't think it was a majorly pay-per-view worthy singles bout, but it was there. It did what it needed to do. May Sakurai is over with the crowd. It's one of the better gimmicks on uh, on the mid-card and undercard, so it's fine. It was there. Um, Cosmic Angels and Stars then, Matt. First of all, Wingori coming out with their tag titles. I can't wait to see them defend them. And Hannon the one to take the pinfall, not Sayurida. Sayurida to challenge for the red belt, confirm, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the reason why, as much as we love Sayurida, and we do, again, we have an agenda on this podcast, several agendas. One is to be entertaining, and two is to hashtag push Sayurida, is I think because Hanan is the bigger star of the two, and then we saw Sayori uh, get a clean win over, and then we find out why, because, and we'll get into it, because she challenges Mirai. But um, I know when... Uh, uh, Sayori Poi, uh, Soriano Natsupoi had to be vacant the titles. I had a lot of people tweeting at me saying, don't you think Sayori Anu should, because she's not the one that's injured. Like, I understand. Don't you think that she should get a tag title shot somewhere down the future? And I was like, absolutely. Well, Poi's injured. We don't know what Tam's doing. Her team with Yunan, I mentioned this on, bef- on before, where they kind of threw them together uh, just at some random, like, you know, quote-unquote house shows. And they put on banger of matches. And considering the fact that, spoilers for what we're going to be talking about, about five minutes, Considering the fact that Aphrodite, Sai Kamatani, and uh, Utami Aishista are the Goddess of Stardom champions, I would love to see Sayori and Yuna Mizumori get a tag title shot 
against Aphrodite. Now, obviously, we know Yuna would be eating that pinfall, but at the same time, you're going to highlight, and you can do it as a main event of the Cork and Hall show. You know, we mentioned give Cork and something special each and every show. Who wouldn't want to see that match? And again, you're basically rewarding Yuna Mizumori for all the hard work she's done inside of this past year to get to that spot. So you give her a main event of a Cork and Hall show against, you know, two main eventers like Utami and Sayakamatani for the Goddess of Stardom Championship. So I totally agree that I that Sorianu definitely deserves a uh, tag title shot because she's not the one that got injured, but I understand how it goes. But if she's going to get one before Natsupoi comes back, have her team with Yuna because these two are great. Obviously, Wingor, we've known this for years. They're fantastic at, together. I loved how the match started out with the two of them because they're the more veteran team. They've teamed up the longest and more times than Sayori and Yuna Mizumori. How they're able to get the advantage early on in this match by doing some double team work. Yuna and Saeed are just absolutely destroying each other. It's like lariat, chop, form, just hard-hitting action. And I love it how Sayorianu and Yuna Mizumori, they kind of do two of their big moves like back-to-back, where Yuna will hit the sliding lariat and the and the, her, the opponent will roll from the cell and Sorianu will hit a German suplex, or vice versa. Sorianu will do a released German suplex, and she throws such a great bridge, like almost like Toyota-style bridge on that German suplex. And when they take the bump and they kind of bump on their butt, Yuna just comes right off with a huge running lariat. So I love how those two, te- how they work, but ultimately it really comes down to Han and Sorianu. And here's a singles match that I didn't know that I wanted, that I needed in 2024. That's basically what the last, you know, minute and a half, two minutes uh, happens. And we just really see some really good stuff with Han and, and Sorianu uh, back and forth. But eventually it ends with a Tom's Tantra onto Han for the three count. Now, yeah, like yeah, I was I was shocked. I figured either Yuna would ate the pinfall or Saida would have would ate the pinfall. So I was shocked that that's how, you know, this match ended. But again, this is one of the better undercard pay-per-view matches in all of stardom for the year. I thoroughly enjoyed this. The fact they were able to do this, tell a story, uh, all in about seven minutes. Bravo to all four of these ladies. Three and three-fourth stars for me, sir. Yeah, it was certainly an entertaining undercard tag match. It's it's what stardom do. Um, you want to highlight people like Wingori because in this age where you are trying to push younger stars, I think Hannon and Sayurida could be linchpins to that. Sioriano had to be the star because of where, where you're going later on in the night, and rightly so. I do agree with that, that she does deserve a tag title shot further down the line, and I do feel sorry for her, the fact that she was sort of forced to vacate the titles because of Poi's injury. But ultimately, it's a case of, well, do you give her another partner, in which case you've just given a title to someone else or do you agree with the vacation you wait for Natsupoi to come back or do you have Sioriano tag with someone else in the vacant title I understand that, I think you know, Ano's got her eye on the white belt, so it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily a highest priority at the moment anyway, but should she come out on the losing end at Dream Queendom, I'm sure that we will see Whoever comes out of Green Queendom as the tag um, champions, they will be defending against Sioriano sooner rather than later. Now, the high-speed title match, Maysera and Tekla. Um, Maysera, 24th champion. Um, she does achieve her second successful title defense, her reign at 54 days. Now, the f- most important thing, Matt, is Rossi Vice. Now, for those who don't know what Rossi Vice is, Rossi Ogawa might be the most suave-dressed gentleman in the history of the world. And what me and Matt have noticed over the course of our last two 
um, uh, sort of alternate commentaries is that, first of all, the man is immaculately dressed. And secondly, that he will dress to match the belt. So what we are going to do is we are going to look and check how many times Rossi Ogawa dresses to match the belt. Now, Matt Turner, I am currently looking at a picture of Rossi Ogawa holding the high-speed championship next to Tekla, who looks a million dollars, by the way, in that pink fur coat. Looks incredible. And Meisera, the champion who has new gear, also looks incredible. And I am looking at this image, and I must admit, with the hat and the suit, the matching hat and suit, by the way, it does look like he's attempted to colour coordinate with the plates of the belt. That's absolutely genius. Now, I'm looking at a uh, a picture here, my friend, of the, in my opinion, the greatest Wonder of Stardom Championship uh, match with uh, Hazuki and Saya Kamatani from earlier this year. And it's the same thing. It's just the shirt. Now, he can he can change the hat. He can change the shirt. He can change the overcoat. Or he can change the tie. So considering the fact that, obviously, at Dream Queendom, we have at least three championship matches on the card that were already announced. So he's going to have a red hat, a red tie, a white hat, a white tie, a black overcoat. I don't know, buddy. But now, considering the fact that, I mean, let's call it, I mean, let's RIP Rip Flirty Hazuki. We have not seen Flirty (laughs) Hazuki in a while, which, again, for our new listeners, is that it seemed like Hazuki, when she was high-speed champion or when she would get a couple title shots when she first came back in 2021, when they're doing the entrance, Hazuki would put her arm uh, or her uh, elbow on uh, Rossi's shoulder, put her arm around Rossi like she was flirting with him. We have not seen that from Hazuki in about a year. Now she's just murder mode, Hazuki mode, which we all love. So considering the fact that uh, flirty Hazuki may not be RIP, that maybe she's just on hold for now. The new thing that we'll be looking for, as if we need to add more cool stuff to these Stardom Championship matches, is will Rossi Vice be matching some way, some form to these championship belts, especially these pay-per-views, Rob, where he has more than one championship. Here's something else I'm just thinking in my demented brain. His glasses as well. He can change the frames. Maybe a red <laughs> frame or, <laughs> or a white frame. Oh, my goodness, my friend. Look out. Rossi Vice, here we go. I mean, you might be wondering why Rossi Vice. It's simply because when he uh, sort of held on the white belt um, during the Mariah Momo Watanabe defense, he was wearing an all-white suit and hat, and he just looked like something out of Miami Vice. So uh, <laughs> Rossi Vice was born. Coming soon to our <laughs> T-shirt store. Um <laughs> This match, then, um, obviously, Tekla's second opportunity at the high-speed belt. I thought she did a really good job. I thought these two had really good chemistry, and I was really getting into the match. They really seemed to be getting into their stride when it just ended. Um, Yep. Which was incredibly disappointing in some regards because again i feel like if you'd have given these two this was the only match i thought that could have benefited from maybe two more minutes um i think all the others were snappy and they were better for it this one i felt could have done with maybe 10 sorry two more minutes take it up to 10 minutes and just give tecla a little bit more offense may say it fantastic tecla took a horrible bump by the way when she did her sort of posing in the ropes and Maysera drop kicked her out she landed right on her coccyx on the outside it looked brutal um hopefully she's all good I think she's fine but looked horrible but all in all it was a great match just a little bit of a disappointing ending Matt 
Yeah, consider, and I know the high speed championship matches are different, but when you think of title matches, not just here, just in wrestling, you're using building towards a finish where you're getting like a falsy or someone's going to tease one of their big moves, especially on pay per view. So literally, I was just writing my notes down. And I literally wrote, I saw that May was going for the Lamai Straw, hooked it, started rolling with it. And I literally write, May goes for Lamai Straw Cradle. And then I went to three and I was like, and gets three. And that's legit the note I'm looking at right now. I was like, oh okay, yeah, the match was just building, 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 and instead of getting to that next level, we just went right home. I was like, okay, all right, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, Tekla, her new gear looks fantastic. She looks in the best shape ever, and she's always been in shape since she started in stardom. She's really doing a great job connecting with the audience on certain things she's doing. May Sarah is absolutely fantastic on every single level, and maybe a contender for, like, you know, undercard MVP for stardom, just everything that she's done. But yeah, it's kind of like, oh, all right. Uh, again, good enough match. Three and a half stars, but I agree with you, buddy. This would have been right around the four star mark. Four star mark had this went to about ten minutes, ten and a half minutes. Yeah, and obviously Tackler's proved that she can hang with the best of them. I gave it three and a quarter. Um, I enjoyed the match. I thought the two had really good chemistry. May Sayer is a star. She really is. Um, she's again been one of the biggest highlights of this year for me alongside suzu suzuki i think they've both done really really well um this six woman tag then the awedasai versus god's eye match this was hard hitting to say the very very least matt yeah this is really good and literally you have sherry and momo watanabe just literally trading kicks and i'm like this is what i love every aspect of wrestling with this hard-hitting wrestling where they're just teeing off. Who wants it more? It, I had flashbacks, and I'm sure everybody else did, of their finals in the 2021 five-star Grand Prix and one of the best matches in stardom history. The one thing, obviously, Mariah was great here. Ami Sori was great. And we mentioned on the show last week, are we going to start getting some direction for what the Wonder of Stardom Championship match is going to be for Dream Queendom? Obviously, we'll talk about that in a moment. But the way this match was building was Starlight Kid getting so much over on Mariah. And I was thinking, is Starlight Kid maybe going to get a win here over Mariah and then Challenger for the Wonder of Stardom Championship match at Dream Queendom? That's where I thought they were going halfway through this match. Obviously, it didn't happen, and I would have obviously been, yes, absolutely, give me another Starlight Kid Wonder of Stardom uh, Challenge match. And Mariah has done a phenomenal job building up the Wonder of Stardom Championship in the short time that she had it. Nasuka Tora was great here as well. Her and They did a great job, too highlighting towards the end that it took uh double teamwork from Momo Watanabe and uh and uh Natsukotor, excuse me the XL team really basically is what did in Ami Sori for the uh, for the pinfall which makes sense for what we're going to talk about here in just a few moments because it was really seemed like it was the teamwork of Momo and Tora that was the highlight of this match after Shuri and Momo you know kicked uh, basically just kicked the crap out of each other I thought this was great hard hitting um, you know, you literally have no disrespect to the other members of God's Eye of Awedo Tai. You literally have your A squad of Awedo Tai and your A squad of uh, God's Eye just going in and going at it for around 10 minutes. Solid. Another solid match. I had this one at three and three fourth stars, my friend. Yeah, I had it at three and a half. I thought it was really, really entertaining. Um, I think both undercard tag matches were really good and did well to set up further sort of challenges further down the line, which I do think that the New Blood tag titles from Wingori are going to be defended on this New Blood show on Christmas Day. Wouldn't surprise me if it's Yuna who challenges alongside someone else. Um, that'd be quite interesting, quite a cool way to go as well. Um, now, 
<sighs> the UWF match. Now, I will say I was really enjoying this. I was enjoying the the roughness of it, the genuine fight feel. I thought um, Alice Inc. looked very strong throughout, was the was the main aggressor, certainly, of the match, which is why it's ever so puzzling that Nanai Takahashi came out on top. Um, I'm not entirely sure what Nanai gets from winning this, especially as the very next night, Alice Inc. would join God's Eye as their newest member. Um, and obviously, you want to keep her strong, yet her two high-profile matches she's lost and i know that you can say that obviously it was a chance spin back elbow so you know it was sort of out of nowhere to paraphrase randy orton um and that was why it took her by surprise and it was sort of a sort of a flailing arm from nanai more than anything else it just the result doesn't doesn't sit right with me and i know that obviously you're looking at the scores at the end of the match and nanai had used two of her sort of breaks or had been floored twice she was on three points and alice inc hadn't lost a point she was still on five but i don't know i feel like alice inc could have really really benefited from beating nanai takahashi who let's be honest isn't a full-time member of the stardom roster so doesn't really gain anything from the victory anyway but you're already committed to having Alice Inc. join God's Eye the next day. Why not have her win here? It just it didn't really make a lot of sense for me. And I know you predicted Nanai to win, Matt. Am I just talking nonsense, or do you at least see where I'm coming from? Brother, I know we only got about 20 minutes before you got a roll, so let's just say I, everything that you said I agree with and move on to the next one. Really? What did you give <laughs> yeah. it? I gave it three and a half stars basically because Alice Link was fantastic in this match. And I am thrilled that she is joining Shuri's God's Eye because Shuri and Alice Link as a tag team, if you're not going to bring back Tomoka, or if you're going to bring back Tomoka and bring her back with her sister as their team. But uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. The, <laughs> the less said about it, the better. Um, Julia, the second New Japan Strong Women's Champion, got her sixth successful title defense and carries on her reign of 151 days, defeating Azumi with the Northern Lights bomb. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match for a multitude of reasons, not only because both women are fantastic, not only because Azumi looks absolutely killer in her new gear, Julia looking killer with her new hair, but because Julia forced something else out of Azumi, which I loved. You got your stereotypical high-speed Azumi, and then partway through the match, Julia just stopped and was like, nah, I'm not doing this, and got a little rougher with Azumi, and Azumi snapped, and I am all here for that i am all here for that side of azumi because obviously we've seen how starlight kid has graduated from the high speed division and sort of now has her own little niche you know working the legs to hit the black tiger leg killer and things like that i love aggressive azumi sort of channeling the tuition of momo watanabe really laying in those kicks screaming in anger at julia and it properly takes julia by surprise as well loved it matt yeah, there was, you know, we talk about Azumi, she's so good at everything, and she's a very, very good underrated striker, especially those kicks to the head. 
that she throws and she was trying to go shot for shot with julia and there's one point where when azumi you know when she's firing up and she's yelling you see her mouth out busted open i don't know if it was her tongue or her lip or whatever but julia wind up busting uh azumi open with something and azumi just throws again she throws some really good underrated strikes but this was by far her best striking uh match that she's had because she's trying to hang in there with julia and credit to julia because if you look at the psychology of this match when azumi hits the la mystica really any big moves that she does she goes to the arm which azumi did not go to the arm at all in this match and julia almost because of forcing the striking and forcing the super aggressive azumi forces her to wrestle almost a different style where it's just like no i don't want to go after julia's arm she's trying to take my head off i'm trying to take her head off so i really really enjoy that like oh she's not going to the arm like oh it makes sense and julia is forcing her to throw her off the game because julia's like i can't really hang with her if she pulls my arm or she builds up the arm work or the high speed arm work that's going to play into azumi's wheelhouse so i'm going to force into a strike fest and it brings up Azumi's striking game so much in this. And then we see this fantastic finish where we see Azumi hitting two Canadian destroyers into the double Azumi Sushi that we've seen her beat Micah with, Himika with, Utami with, and the five stars in years past. So I really bid on that finish, even though I thought Julia was going to retain. I was like, oh, maybe they're switching the belt here. And then uh, you get towards the end where Julia then is just start dropping uh, Azumi on her head. She goes for the Northern Lights bomb. Azumi uh, is able to counter, get out of it. And that's where she did the uh, Canadian Destroyer. Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. But then Azumi is so fired up that she kind of goes off her strategy because now she really wants to take off Julia's head. And she just runs right at Julia and Julia hoists her up and the Northern Lights bomb was like, I literally gave you the opening so you can try to make a mistake. And that's exactly what you did here. As seasoned as Azumi is, been wrestling since she was 11, she's never really wrestled in those big, big, big matches as much as Julia has. And Julia just has that one little opening where she throws Azumi off her game and Azumi runs right into Julia's finish. A phenomenal match. I had this at four and a quarter stars. I thought this was terrific. And Azumi came off as such a huge star. And now we're seeing super aggressive Azumi to add in to what she already has. I don't need to tell anybody. Uh, no surprise here. I'm a ginormous fan of Azumi. And I'm super excited to now see super aggressive striking Azumi throwing in that into her already impressive offensive arsenal pop, uh, partner. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with you on the rating. I had it at four and a quarter stars. My second highest rated match of the night. I thought this was really, really... And the fact that they were able to cram it into 13 minutes as well. Really, really good stuff. Uh, the tag title match. I mean, what is there to say? The 30th goddess of stardom champions, Aphrodite, become only the second ever team to win the belt more than once. Matt, can you name the first team to do that? First team to win the belts more than once was that the team of it was the, 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 the oh my goodness, I should know this. I knew this, I literally have it written down. Who was it for the sake of time? Fukuoka Double Crazy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did in the same year. Yeah, in 2022. That's uh, right. Um, Sai Kamatani moves to her second reign, Utami onto her third. And we talk about aura and star power in Julia's entrance, for example. Good grief. That entrance with Saya and Utami. Utami carrying the flag. Saya Kamatani back with her arms outstretched. And I love the Micah and Megan Bain entrance. The Divine Kingdom entrance was one of my favorite things of the entire Tag League. But this right here, this was all about Aphrodite. And my God, did they feel huge in this match, Matt. 
Yeah, and I believe this is the first first pinfall loss from Divine Kingdom. I think they only lost one match in the tag league to eye contact via countout. Um, and that's a, obviously a match I would love to see, Mayu and Han versus Aphrodite. But the psychologist match was very, very simple. You're trying to keep uh, Micah as strong as possible. Obviously, she's in the main event of your year-end show. So, And you're trying to make Aphrodite a more cohesive unit to show everybody that, yes, they are back. Not only from injury, but from the uh, dissension that they had earlier in the year. So anytime Saya would get in trouble from these double teams or just getting just destroyed by Megan Bain, Utami would come in for the save. And then Utami would come in. She'd come in a house of fire. She'd get cut off. She'd be getting hit with suplex and, and uh, the power bomb and this, that, and everything. And then Saya would come in and make the save. And ultimately, it was just the teamwork of uh, Saya and Utami. You saw that uh, Utami almost took the Doomsday device from D- Divine Kingdom. Saya comes in, makes the save. Micah throws an inapparent lariat to hit Megan Bain. And what a beautiful sight that is to see Utami who throws a great German suplex on such somebody that's one of the bigger wrestlers in start i'm like what a great finish like i thought it was a perfect finish because it almost came out of nowhere and it not only puts over utami's german suplex that she can hit on anybody and it could be the end of the match by pinning somebody who hasn't eaten many pinfalls in stardom and megan bain but it also puts over micah's 360 lariat because that was the conduit that led to the german suplex really simple story great stuff here great way for them to start off their tag title reign i had this at the solid four stars exactly the same um i thought utami not only on offense but on defense as well there was a moment where megan Payne drops her with a suplex and the way she holds her neck especially knowing that she has been out with a neck injury you're like oh my god please no please no but it was just beautiful selling say kamatani who came out in the press i think it was a kayfabe interview but came out in the press and was like i'm gonna i'm gonna have to change the way i wrestle and then doesn't and then doesn't um she was running around like a woman possessed launching herself off the apron into cross bodies and all sorts micah of course is going to be kept strong she's in the main event of dream queendom i feel like the way they were able to get the pinfall on megan bain with that miscommunication between micah and megan bain worked really well as an excuse for megan bain to be pinned still keeps her strong still keeps micah strong and is the correct choice when putting your goddess of stardom titles onto a new team i'm looking forward to a tie xl's challenge because that is going to be extremely hard hitting got a lot of history there obviously torah and utami um all down to Tora's injury. You've got Momo versus Siren Utami. Obviously, the return to Queen's Quest. It's going to be a tasty, tasty matchup. And then the main event. What else do I need to say, Matt? Like, we knew that when it was we announced... We were going to get Yeah, we, we knew we were going to get We got it. <laughs> Jesus wept. Like, both women just beat living hell out of each other. Literally, from the very first bell and if there's anyone that is going to be able to go toe to toe with suzu suzuki in brutality stakes and not you know i'm not talking about light tubes and stuff like that i'm talking about striking and ferocity and intensity it is hazuki and i feel like here she did just that she matched suzu all the way through until she was just caught short with those locomotion german suplexes and then that final one and the height she got on that german suplex was unreal as well matt match starts i think we might have got a little wrestling to start no the bell rings and we're just gonna form each other and then we go to the outside 
where it's like who has the advantage the former Oweto tie member and Oweto tie's got Oweto tie or the uh, the deathmatch queen and Suzu Suzuki well we're 50-50 there's four sides of the ring so so Suzuki got thrown through two sets of chairs and Suzu got thrown through two sets of chairs and then it just kept picking up and it kept escalating. He's going back and forth, back and forth. And I, you know, I mentioned all the, all the time on this podcast of just how much I absolutely love Azuki. And I'm so glad that she got the main event a spot in this match because she so deserves it. And really nobody better to kind of shine Suzu up for to get her towards the main event of Dream Queendom. I thought this was genius booking on the part of stardom to uh, have Hazuki in this role. Nobody thought that Hazuki was going to get the win here. I would have absolutely loved it. As much as I love Suzu and Suzu and Micah is the money match, I would have been like, heck it, it's Hazuki. I don't need an excuse to have Hazuki challenge in the main event for the red belt and a pay-per-view. It's Hazuki. But ultimately, though, it was this brutal kick trio that uh, Suzu, I mean, you see Hazuki is hitting these pump kicks one after another after another. I'm like, you know that Suzu's coming back. And I've never, you know, with some brutal head kicks. And I've never seen any wrestler feed better for a head kick than Hazuki. She just welcomes it and was like, how can I, how can I make your strikes look even better? And she does here. Then she eats the tequila shot. And then you see Suzu. She hits the two locomotion German suplexes back-to-back, which is kind of her finisher thing that she does. And I thought, okay, this is a finish. This is a great match. And then Hazuki kicks out. And the psychology of the finish is so simple. Suzu's like, oh, she kicked out of my finish? Well, I still have the waist lock on. I'm just going to hit another German suplex. And it was that little extra that this, for me, went from a four-and-a-half-star match to four-and-three-fourths, just because they kept Hazuki strong by kicking out of Suzu's double, the locomotion German suplexes. And then it was like, I already have the waist lock. I'm just going to hit another German suplex. And this one was like the most violent one of the match. The exclamation point of of Suzu here. I thought it was great. Again, four and three fourth stars. Fantastic match. I just love the adrenaline rush that Hazuki clearly had to kick out of that first one. And then just had nothing left to kick out of that final German suplex. She'd already taken the tequila shot. She'd already taken a whole host of head kicks. She'd literally absorbed everything she possibly could from Suzu, but ultimately was just falling short, which is the which is Hazuki's story in big singles title matches. It's just how she manages to get so close and persuade us that maybe the predictable isn't going to happen. And that's that's how good a wrestler she is. It's why I love that Hazuki and Utami match as much as I do. But ultimately, she's going to get that championship. I know she is going to. We wouldn't keep getting these so close and yet so far storylines if ultimately it's not going to pay off. So... I fully believe Hazuki will one day win that white belt. It's not her time now. Obviously, all eyes on Suzu, Suzuki, and Micah for that main event at Dream Queendom. And just to remind you, that is our main event of Sumo Hall. Suzu, Suzuki versus Micah. And if you'd have told me at the start of this year that was where we were going for Dream Queendom, I I wouldn't have believed you. But actually, looking at it, Now that we've got the story, now that we've got the callbacks to the five-star final and legitimately believable beef on on behalf of Micah, I'm really, really excited for Dream Queendom. And especially as we have got a whole host of matches that we haven't got yet, to have Suzu Suzuki versus Micah in the main event, to have Aphrodite versus Oedotai XL for the Goddess of Stardom uh, Championship, and then to have Mirai versus Sioriano for the white belt as well. 
I'm very excited. I think those two last those latter matches as well are huge improvements on last year's card. No disrespect to Haruka Masaki whatsoever, but I would rather see Mirai versus um Sioriano than Saigo yes. Atari versus Haruka Masaki. So very, very exciting in that case. Before we move on to what is coming up, Matt, it's time for Rio and Kyrie Watch. Do you want to do Eero and Kyrie Watch first, or you want me to do my rock and roll segment where you figure out the band? Oh, no. Rock and roll segment. All right. Now, I've, I'm 50-50 sure that you're going to get this band. If you don't get it, I have a very simple one that you're going to get. So, all right, sir. Are you ready? I am. In the words of DX, I am ready. All right. I don't need you to figure out every song. I just want to see if you're going to get the band. <clears throat> Cork and Hall. Last week, it was so loud. It was a madhouse. But that was last week. Let's talk about this week. Suzu and Hazuki. Boy, that was hard hitting. Watching it, I felt like it was I was caught in a mosh. Those two real those two ladies really brought the noise. <laughs> I love Hazuki. She really fights them like she can't fight no more. I'm excited for the main event of Sumo Hall, Micah and Suzu Suzuki. Regardless of who wins, I think both ladies will breathe some lightning into the championship uh opportunity. The only question that I have, Rob. If only Tam did not get injured, what would the main event look like? If only. Rob Goodwin, what is that band? That would be Anthrax, good sir. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was I got it was Madhouse, Cottonamosh, bring the noise, fight until you can't, breathe lightning, and if only. Now, I will do another one real, real quick because this one is really funny. Are you ready for your second one? Your bonus one, Rob Goodwin. My bonus yes, of course. Okay, here, here, here we go. Damn it. I thought we were going to get Mina versus <laughs> Mirai for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. <laughs> Hold on, damn it. I thought we were going to get Mina versus Mirai for the Wonder of Stardom Championship uh, at Sumo Hall. However, I will never be bored to death of seeing Anu <laughs> and Mirai wrestle one more time. I wonder who that could be. It is, of course, <laughs> Blink182. Um, well done, good sir. Well done. Uh, absolutely. Let's go right into Eron Kyrie Watch, as I know we're, you got to get rolling soon. So Eron Kyrie Watch really was just Kyrie Watch. You had uh, backstage, uh, Bianca Belair comes out first. She says she wants another title shot against EO. Damage control all comes out minus Bailey. They jump Bianca, Charlotte, and Shotzi come in. They make the save. Back, backstage segment where EO says, Bailey, where were you? We, we went out there and we got our butts kicked. Bailey said, I didn't know the plan. You guys never told me the plan. Sets up Kyrie versus Bianca Belair. Uh, EO, as Kyrie's coming out, EO tells Bailey, you stay back here because you're going to mess everything up. Now, obviously, that Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and all the members of Damage Control were watching their best of a Wedo tie, how to get caught in interference match. Because about a minute in, we have uh, the Damage Control side and Charlotte and Shotzi Blackout, they Blackheart. They both interfere in the match and the referee tosses them. We get a really good back and forth match between Kyrie and Bianca Belair. Kyrie does a great job isolating Bianca's leg. Eventually, the ref gets pulled, gets distracted. Bailey, out of nowhere, after she was told, hey, that uh, you're not supposed to be here. Bailey comes in. She runs some interference. Kyrie goes to the top row for the insane elbow. She takes way too much time as Bianca Belair hoists up Kyrie and hits her with a KOD for the three count. Solid match. I gave it three and a half stars. However, we've seen Kyrie. Her return came to a very lukewarm uh, crowd in Saudi Arabia. 
She her team ate the L in the War Games cage match last week, and then we see here this week. Not only does she eat the L to Bianca Belair, but Bailey helped her interfere and still was not able to eat uh, to defeat Bianca Belair. I understand we're trying to build up Bianca more, but I think Kyrie. Uh, I think we kind of need to get some steam behind her. That's just me. I I really like the fact that Kyrie is helping these youngsters in in <laughs> WWE. Those those people that really need that really need uh, sort of the the help and the rub. You know, look such... at you pulling at me and being positive. Look at you pulling at me. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm in no way being sarcastic either. Um, the fact that you know Bianca Belair, multi-time women's champion, needed the rub. Um, and what's even more upsetting is that Carrie has already put over more people in WWE than she did in stardom. Um, that's, again, phew, who said that? Mm-hmm. Not me. Not me at all, Sayakamatani. Um, anyway, um, let's end on these previews then. So we are coming rapidly close to the end of Stardom's year. Um, we have got a couple of shows on the 9th and the 10th that we will be discussing next week. Hopefully, as the year-end tour rolls around, um, we will have a significant amount of shows to talk about next week. They have been in Wakayama, um, Hiroshima, um, Attack Matsu, um, Osaka, um, Chiba, um, and they have been in Kobe as well. So we've got all of those shows that are going to be up on Stardom World. We are going to be going through them all at some point, but obviously not today because they are not on Stardom World as of yet. And Matt, you said it couldn't be done, but we have managed to do this podcast in double quick time, Colin on Patreon is going to be livid. Yeah, that seems like that. The only, the two years we've been doing this together, my friend, it's all been 99% positive. The only time we ever kind of get a knockback is when people open up their, their uh, podcast feeds and they're like, really guys under two hours so (laughs) (laughs) we apologize colin um but anyway ladies and gentlemen that brings us to the end of our podcast thank you so much for listening um you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts if you want to leave us a review it would thoroughly help us out leave us a review on all and any of your podcast platforms we are literally everywhere subscribe to the patreon patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast uh, thank you to everyone that is already a patron over there um if you want to follow us on social media it is at the stardom cast also the same for our youtube and if you want to talk to me it's at real rob goodwin matt turner sounds off Absolutely, folks. Don't forget to buy Poi. Any questions, <laughs> comments, anything you need from me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. If you want to shoot me an email, the stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, that's going to close another show. Thank you so much for the support. Can't do this without you because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different. Everybody's special.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.